Well, this morning, we're going to be um, talking about the heart of a servant. Obviously, very fitting with what we did this morning as we brought these deacons, these servants before you to commission and pray for them. I have a quote. Tell me if you agree or disagree with this. When you live from love, you serve. When you live from love, you serve. Even when life is most difficult, what were people in Las Vegas doing? Even with bullets in their bodies, what were they doing? Many of them. Serving and helping others that were wounded or others to get out of there, they themselves wounded. Those that lost homes or loved ones in Jacksonville or in Houston, what were they doing? Why was it such an incredible thing as you hear people talking about those tragedies? Because the people of God and then others, just because we're created in God's likeness, understood that the, the best thing I could do instead of just being like, oh, look what happened to me or my pain, like I should help someone else with their pain. There's something I can do for my neighbor right now. Like kind of the doors are all open for the love to turn into service. And when you think about the person of this word, Jesus Christ, the center of all that we understand from the scriptures, who is God in flesh, and we look at his life and we see him as a servant leader, it all becomes very clear. It becomes very clear that there's something that resonates deep in the human heart when you get your eyes off yourself and put them on Christ, and then you see Christ was a servant, and you go, okay, and I'm called to that. And then you serve someone else's need, and you go, actually, that was awesome. That was like awesome for me to just to be able to help that person, to be a human being alongside another human being that has a hurt or a need, and I actually could help them and lift them and do something for them. And you go like, wow, I kind of want to do that again. And uh, that's really what we're talking about this morning, is how to have the heart of a, of a servant and as you walk with Jesus and get closer to him, it just happens automatically. But you have to stay close to him. And you have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're called to do that, and we can do that. We're going to talk about that this morning. Three basic points. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Serve the Lord with gladness and zeal. And serve the Lord by using your gifts to serve others. So the first, serve the Lord wholeheartedly. In Deuteronomy 10, in verse 12, we read this. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So you look back, you know, you go all the way back to the left cover of, of Scripture, the Old Testament, before Christ. You know, you look at what God designed his people. He chose a people, and they, he didn't choose them because they were anything great. In fact, they were small and they were weak as a people, as a nation. And he chose them to bless. And he blessed them. And he said, now, I'm going to bless you to go out and be a, a blessing. I'm not blessing you just for yourself, although that's awesome and you'll enjoy it. I'm blessing you in order that actually you can open the doors of that blessing to other people and to other nations, to the Gentile world, so they could come and worship the one and only true God. So early on in Scripture, he had... This plan and this design, we are actually designed for worship and we are designed to be servants just like our God is. Now, you know the story, many of the stories that we read in Scripture about the people of God, the Israelites, they were often wayward, often forgetful, stiff-necked, stubborn, prideful, right? So God gives them some, some new commands here, he gives, or some commands to kind of keep them back 
get them back into relationship with him and on the right path. And he, he mentions those. He goes, you know, we should be fearing the Lord. This awe and the respect and reverence, that's really where it starts. Worship. Do you worship in awe and reverence of who God is? And I don't just mean singing. I mean your life is worship if you're living it for him and his glory. Then he says, walk. Walk in all his ways. So as you go through life, it's a way of describing as you live life day by day, as you're walking through life, are you walking in his ways? Or your own or the world's? Are you walking in his? Love. To love him. Now we know he already loved us first. That's why we even can know how to love. Why you even have the capacity to love someone else is because God first loved us. Scripture tells us that. He fills your heart with love so you can give it to a spouse and to a child, to a friend, to a workmate, to a neighbor, even those that aren't real lovable, and really especially them, because we love God. And then he says, serve the Lord your God with whatever percentage of time you can afford. Is that what it says? (laughs) Some of you are like, what? And you're, you're going to your Bible real quick. Serve the Lord when it's convenient. Serve the Lord when you're emotionally ready to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with a percentage. Serve the Lord with... No, none of that. Serve the Lord how? With all your heart and with all your soul. And then he says, and obey the commands of the Lord. And he lays that out as you think about that. To fear him, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul and to obey his commands for your good. You know the best way a human being could ever live any day, any day in their life for every day of their life on this planet until they meet God face to face is to just do those things, to fear him, to walk in his ways, love him, serve others wholeheartedly. That's how you serve God by serving others and to obey him. It's for our good. You know, so often people, they kind of get that backwards and that just shows we have a selfish nature. We still have a sin nature. We're forgiven, but the sin nature that we wrestle with, we, we think it's actually counterintuitive, or it is counterintuitive, it just doesn't actually make sense to really spend your life, I mean, could, could, could anyone really do that? I mean, you know, we're all going to make attempts, we're all busy people. But actually, he's telling the people he created, and you and me today, this is my design, this is what you're called to do. And in fact, you will find the most flourishing, fully orbed life you could ever imagine if you just trusted me, that this is for your good. There's nothing in this that's constricting. There's nothing in it that takes from you. You think, oh, no, that'll take my time or take my, my finances or take, my, um, you know, take me off my agenda. And it's like, actually, no, he's going he's gonna to give you a far better agenda. He's going to give you a, a more fulfilled life in him. It's all for our good. But we have to believe that. We have to actually believe that. I think a lot of times we want to analyze. We want to put God on the stand. We'll evaluate whether we like his words or his commands or his direction. You know, we want to think through our lives, where we've been, where we're going, the world, our finance. You know, we want to kind of measure it all out. Well, then we'll get back to God as to whether that actually makes sense to us. And then we'll actually think about doing it. Where we just, in faith, we just go, God made it super clear in his word. It's not hard to understand. It's just whether I'll make a choice in faith to say, God, I will trust you even though it doesn't make sense to me sometimes. I will trust you that loving and walking in your ways all the time is actually better, even though at times I don't and I don't want to. It's actually better. So, Lord, give me the faith to actually do what I know is better for me and part of your calling. And then we see in Joshua 24, we've seen the same kind of idea. And remember, we talked about Joshua last week. Moses, 
died and Joshua was the next leader and he's going into this land that was kind of threatening. It was awesome, but they had giants and huge armies and huge cities with huge walls. 10 of the 12 got freaked out. Two said, no, we can take the land. I mean, God's giving it to us and it's an awesome land. It's a good land. Let's go. Well, we see more of the story with Joshua and the people and he's coming back instructing the people to do what? To remember, to fear the Lord and to serve him. That's what we see in Joshua 24, verse 14. It's a longer passage, but, you know, it's worth reading. Listen. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods. Small g. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers who you know, served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered him, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. For he is our God. That's why we serve him. We recognize how great and mighty he is. We look back and we see his provision. We see his faithfulness. We see his patience with us. We, we see the miracles along the way. Just the, the biggest miracle of all is that we're born again in Christ and we're now free to grow and become who we really were designed to be. And we're like, well, no, we're not going to serve the, the gods or the false gods of this world. And they were referring back then to the false gods of Egypt or the Amorites. No, we're going to serve the only God. And we think today, well, we don't fall into that. Well, we know God. There aren't idols. I don't see some big statue made out of wood covered with gold that I need to bow down to or some little you know, altar that I have to put up in my home with all these little God, idol, things to, to put my trust in and give my worship to. We say, no, we would never fall to these idols like they did. Really? I think we all know better. Many idols today. You can have the idol of popularity. And one of the ways to see if that's become an idol is think about your motivations of social media and think about how much time you spend on social media per day. People's praise. Is that an idol? I have to have that group or that person think I'm something, think I'm special, think I'm smart or funny or good-looking or successful. I need that. So we work to that. Money. More, more, more. Are we content with what we have? Are we living in fear financially or do we trust the Lord? That can become a huge idol. Remember, Jesus said, you're going to love God or you're going to love money. You can't do both. You literally cannot do both. It's not possible, he said. So that's a good one. We go, okay, do I worship? Am I actually making idol money? Have I made my kids, my children an idol? Oh, they have to do this. They have to turn out. Oh, God, they, I want them to turn out this way. Oh, and I hope in God, no, please. And, right? We get all nervous and we pray like that. <laughs> And we, we, we literally have made him an idol. We hover over him. We're the hovering generation as parents. We hover over our kids. We have to protect and we have to provide. And it's just like we have to free, give them freedom, responsibility. But we can't control whether they're going to love God and how they're going to make their choices. 
But we're supposed to nurture them in the ways of the Lord and pray for them and love them. But they can become idols. We place them higher than we do God. We're not willing to say anything that would be challenging to them because, oh, then they might not like us today or this month or be nasty toward me or whatever. And like, who are we worshiping? Are we really bringing all of our worship and our praise to God? How about hobbies? Sometimes hobbies get a, take a huge bite out of our time. And, and actually, if, if someone would say, well, what do you know about that person? If the first thing they say is, oh, he likes this or she does this, like that almost defines the person, then maybe, maybe, I'm just saying, right, for all of us to look at that, you're like, maybe my leisure and my hobby is an idol. Like I can't sacrifice it ever. I'll sacrifice anything else. Not that. That's at the top. And I would say then it's an idol. No, Jesus is at the top. Actually, Jesus is at the center. And any of these things go out, if you will, almost like a hub of a wheel, right? They go out with Jesus at the center. Is anything drawing your worship, your attention, your passion, your worries, your anxieties away from God, away from trusting him, and really away from being available to touch others in Jesus' name? Because that thing is so much more important than it's become an idol. Sports, entertainment, any of those things can become an idol. It's just good to ask the Lord. Is it? Has it become? Serve the Lord. How? Wholeheartedly. With your whole heart. With your whole soul. Pouring your, your passions into who God is by serving other people around you. It's pretty awesome how kind of simple that concept is, but how challenging it is. And putting away the idols and the gods and, and just being honest about it. If you really want to bring glory to God and you know that he's loved you so deeply and forgiven you and He's given you all the promises of this word and you know you have his mercy and his compassion. You know you have his truth. You know you have God to count on. You know he's not like anyone in the world or the world itself. You know who he is. You're so grateful for your relationship. Then ask yourself, God, are there any idols or small g false gods in my life? Because I want to serve you wholeheartedly. I don't know if I could say that right now. God, am I serving you wholeheartedly? heartedly with my passions, my energies, my soul, my intelligence, my humor, my whatever, all that you are, are you pouring it out on God? The question is, is he worthy of that? A lot of people want to say, like, right now, I guess the way I'm living my life, I don't know. I guess I'm answering no. But is he? Can you change it to a yes with his help? Yes, Lord, you are worthy. And I want to take steps. I want to take steps of doing this more wholeheartedly for you. I want to serve you, God, like you are worthy of being served. You're a mighty, awesome, heavenly Father and God. Jesus, you're a wonderful Savior. And we want to make much of Christ through our life. If you have another day, if you have another breath, are you going to make much of yourself and your comfort or your hobby or your money or your relationship or are you going to make much of God? And then see that trickle down on all those areas. Blessed. I want to bless you back, Lord. And then that blessing touches other people around me. Then we've gotten it right. It's kind of an upside-down kingdom, isn't it? It's kind of upside-down. Like, wait a minute. We have to put God at the center. We have to serve him. And out of doing that, then he starts to meet all these areas of need in our life. He calms our anxieties down. He takes our fears. He replaces it with peace. He gives us strength. He gives us new desires. The new birth in Christ actually starts to have an effect on all areas of our life. And it kind of just comes out our pores. You eat garlic, people know, right? You love Jesus, people know. The more you love Jesus, the more people will know because it's about him. It's serving the Lord wholeheartedly and doing it with gladness. Look at these verses in 
Psalm 100 and then in Romans 12, serve the Lord with gladness and with zeal. I mean, it's just blunt. I just loved it. I just say, wow, I don't have to put anything else. Just one verse, Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord how? Say it. With gladness. If there's not gladness, you're not actually serving the Lord. You can't serve him. He's like, grump, just like Mr. Grumpy Pants. You can't. That wouldn't even make sense. Don't. You're doing it out of some weird obligation or some religious form that you have some voice in your past or something that might not have been really truly biblical from your past. And no, you do it out of joy. Like, are you kidding? I love, I love to teach. And I never, the funny thing is, I told you guys this a few times. When I was in college, I would practice, I was swallowing my heart every 30 seconds waiting for my time to get up and give that 20-minute speech off those little three-by-five cars. Anyone remember that? This is the last thing I ever, I am not kidding you, ever thought I would do or ever want to do. God has a sense of humor. I love to teach, not because I think I'm, I just know God's given me an ability. He's given me a, a gifting at whatever level, and it can bless people. And I love doing it. These guys up here, do you think they love taking their gifts of worship and lifting them up to God? What do you think? They love it. It takes some effort, takes some practice, but they love it. Do we serve the Lord with gladness and with zeal? Does that mark us as a person, or are we very kind of tight with our time, very reserved, very measured? Just like, and that's about how your love is for God. It's very tight and small and measured. Just let it go. Like, just let the love of the Lord flow in your life, and you'll start to see that, wow, if I live from love, I'll serve. Just as that simple. And look at this other verse. Romans 12, 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Do not be slothful in zeal. I get a picture in my mind when I read that. I don't know about you. Do you see this? Do you see this picture? <laughs> That's what I see every single time. I read that, I just go, sloths? Okay, now this guy isn't just chilling. He's reclining, okay? And we can kind of go like, oh, I've been blessed. I've been forgiven. Isn't this awesome? Yes. This is awesome. And I have eucalyptus right here, and God's going to meet every need in my daily food. I'm just chilling. It's just awesome. Okay, at some point, though, and that's true, and God is patient and he's loving. At some point, you know what? You need to get off of here and go make a commercial for Geico and do the Pictionary. Have you seen it? You need to get busy, slot. There's something you can. Have you seen the commercial? Okay, so I got to tell you, it's funny. So I saw it the other day. So these, these couples have all gathered for game night, and they're playing Pictionary, and they have the big board, and there's a sloth. The sloth joined him for the game night. And he's up there, and he's kind of hanging onto the board, and he's got a magic mark, and he, he's just drawing very slowly one line, very slowly. Actually, like this. And they're all guessing what it is. They're going, coin slot, pencil, coming up with all kinds of things. And he's literally just drawing a line. He hasn't done anything else. He's drawing one line. And their comment was, as long as sloths are slow, Geico, Geico will have a great price for you, something like that. We are not called to be slothful. We are called to serve the Lord wholeheartedly with all of our energies, because he's worthy, and because it's the best possible life you could ever live. Serve him wholeheartedly at work. Think of it, I'm doing this for the Lord, as we're told. 
do your work as unto the Lord. Serve them wholeheartedly when you're with someone and you're, you're doing whatever your hobby is. Serve the Lord with your kids. Serve the Lord with your spouse. Serve the Lord when you come together on a Sunday or in your life group or in the community. Like Serve them wholeheartedly. Have there be gladness and zeal and joy. Okay, I'm going to read a picture. It's a different picture than that one. A much better one. And I'm going to read this passage because it describes this event when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And this is the picture of him or a rendition of him washing Peter's feet. You won't see these words on the screen, so just listen. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. How would you have been if you were sitting at that table that night before the events of the crucifixion? And the one who has taught and done miracles and amazed you with his teaching, you've never seen anything like it, you know he's from God, and, and we're all just relaxed, of course. That's what you do at a meal. Except Jesus got up as a servant. That's what servants were supposed to do. He's like, yes, that's what I will do. And he washes their feet. Peter had a hard time with that. I think we would have had a hard time with that as well. It's uncomfortable when someone you deem so high and so worthy of praise and attention and love and adoration would stoop that low, that low, to do what a servant should have done when we walked in here. Well, we didn't, they didn't have a servant because they were renting the room. No one else thought of it. Didn't occur to anyone else. Jesus said, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to give you a model, an example to follow. You should do exactly what I should do. If you really see me as Lord and teacher, do you really call me that? Or am I really Lord and Savior? Basically is what he's saying to him. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm doing it for you. I want you to do it for each other. I wonder how many times since that point they washed each other's feet and washed other believers' feet in the different churches they were parts of. What an example for us. I think they were probably fine with him doing all those other things, teaching, performing miracles, showing compassion, praying, all that. Oh, they were fine with all that. But when he actually washed their feet and he said, do the same, I think they really, really wrestled with it. Because they didn't get it right away. And he said, later you'll understand. And they had the rest of their life to think about that. And I'm encouraging you and I'm encouraging myself to spend the rest of our life thinking about that and not losing that picture in our heart. That's who your Savior is. And then he did something far, far, far beyond washing their feet. 
He took the mocking of the world against him that should have come against us in our sin. He took the punishment, the wrath of the Father that there had to be blood spilt so we could be forgiven. And he chose, like he chose to wash their feet. He chose to go to the cross to wash their heart. He didn't want there to be anything lacking in his love to them. He wanted them to be clean of their sin and their iniquity. So he said, now I'm going to walk to the cross, carrying my cross. I'll be crucified because I'm a servant who wants you to come back to the Father. I will serve you to the point of death, to the point of crucifixion. And in and through that tomb and out of that tomb at the right hand of the Father, standing in intercession for who? For who? For me, someone said it, exactly. For you and you and you and all of us. He washed your feet. He washed your heart. He went through a cross. He is the king of kings. And at the right hand of his heavenly father is interceding for you and me. Is he worthy of being served with us, our whole heart? A thousand times over, he's so worth it. What gets in the way? Well, that's really the next question, right? Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So will we pick up our cross? If you want to find your life, he says you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. Do you want to find your life, or do you want to lose your life? Do you want to find the greatest fulfillment in your life? And if you're a high schooler, the rest of your high school years and your college years and who you will marry as the Lord leads and if he gives you kids and a career and a life and all that, do, do you want to say, Lord, I want to follow you. I'll deny myself. I'll pick up my cross. I'll pick up my towel. I'll pick up the basin. I'll just literally do what you said to literally do. I will go out and serve people. Then we're understanding who Christ is. Short of that, you don't understand Jesus. You just don't understand him yet. But the Holy Spirit's helping you understand this morning because you realize, wow, with the joy set before Christ, with a glad heart, Jesus went to the cross because he knew he'd free you and forgive you and fill you. He went with a glad heart to the cross. It was an agonizing, but it was still full of joy for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, the sufferings of the cross. He knew the end game. He knew he would be victorious. He knew he would be able to welcome all people around this world that would choose to come into his family. He knew you would come. So he washed your feet. He washed your heart. He gave you life, eternal forgiveness and grace and all that he is. And he says, now will you go do the same? And that's our last point, to serve the Lord by using your gift to serve others. Sometimes we get very theoretical about it or we get very um, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, We just, we lose the practical nature. We think, oh, well, to serve God, that means, you know, when I come to church, that's the only time I can serve God. Or if I'm on my knees, I, I serve God there because I'm, or if I'm singing some Christian song or chorus or, you know, I guess if I give my, my tithe, my, my, my first fruits to God. And yes, those are true, but it's, it's far more than that. And it's, it's like every breath he gave you and he's given you right now. You just say, Lord, this life, this breath, my energies, all that I have, the gifts you've given me, I will serve you by serving who? others. Oh, you mean I got to serve people? <laughs> they can be really like disrespectful, rude, ungrateful, impatient, nasty, just like me. <laughs> they can be a human, yes, and you're supposed to, with the love of God, with the gifts you've given, go serve people and help them get out of their rudeness 
and out of their lack of understanding who Jesus is, to give them understanding of his, of his love and his mercy and his grace. You get to be an ambassador to compassion, just like Jesus was, because they're locked up in their life thinking God doesn't even exist or that he won't make a difference. And you can actually show what someone ruled by the love of Christ actually looks like. So you serve God by serving others, and you just look for those opportunities all day long. And believe me, they'll be there if you're looking and you're desiring. They'll be there. 1 Peter 4.10 makes it very simple. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Okay, so if we know Christ, we've all been given a gift or multiple gifts. And it's just his very grace. It comes from God. It's not that we earned it, not that we're more special than anyone else. We just have the grace of God that's been given to us in these supernatural abilities. He calls gifts, graces, one or more. You might say, well, I'm not sure I have a gift. If you know Christ, yes, you do. <laughs> you do. Well, I'm not sure I really know what it is. Then you ask God to help you. And you know who else will help you understand your gifts? The people you're sitting with. They know what you're good at. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're like the opposite of humble. Like we, we actually, we're so humble, but then we, we get like so insecure and, and, and like pathetic in ourselves that, oh, we're just nobody. We're a worm. We have nothing to offer. We've been so damaged, so hurt. We've made so many mistakes. No, you're not that person. You're rescued by the King of Kings. You've been adopted into God's family, filled with his Holy Spirit, given the power of the, all these promises, and you've been gifted, and you are gifted to serve others well, supernaturally well. Just where? That's what the fun of the discovery. These guys that were up here today, what a great model of that. Did you notice something on the wall behind me? Did anyone notice that? Who's new today, like brand new today? Just brand new today. This is your first time here ever. Anyone in this service? Okay, you know what? That wasn't here last time last Sunday. So we did it just for you. Okay, bro. Welcome. Happy birthday. Yeah. And you just go like, wow, Tim and Jolene and then, and then a couple others that helped them. They're craftsmen. They've been gifted by God. They made that cross. We said, what about this? They go, yeah, no problem. What do you want, want it to look like? Oh, something like this. And you know, something like this, something like this. Okay, great. Yeah, no problem. Would you like it to match the cross? Hey, that'd be awesome. And every other color in the room, she tells me, oh, actually, the stains came out different because last time we did it for the prototype, it was, I think, cooler outside, and it was warmer, and then we just go like, we actually feel like God chose the colors the way they exactly came out. I go, yeah, because you're supernaturally gifted as craftsmen. We see that in the Old Testament. Then when the New Testament, you know, when the, the tabernacle and the temple and all that, these guys were gifted to do what they do well. Who loves to cook? Raise your hand. I like to eat. I'm not the greatest cook, okay? Okay. If you love to, there's probably a reason, because you're good. And if you're not sure, ask the people you give your food to, okay? Okay, you cook. Use it for the glory of God. And you might also have the gift of mercy. So don't stop there, but just start with what you know you love and what you're good at. He broke it down into speaking gifts and serving gifts. Did you notice that? Speaking gifts, leadership, evangelism, wisdom, worship, exhortation, teaching, and others. Serving gifts, just kind of like using your body and getting sweaty for God, okay? The gift of faith, giving, service and helps, hospitality, craftsmanship, anything where you physically feel like I expended 
at least 250 calories <laughs> to do this and help someone do that. Yeah. Whether it's serving gifts or speaking gifts, and then you see the description actually more specifically in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 if you want to do some extra study. But you've been gifted with some speaking gifts or some serving gifts, some abilities, and actually some skills too. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just an engineer. I mean, that was just, that's just what I did in college. That's just what I'm trained to do. Are you using it for the glory of God? You can probably engineer lots of things, not just things you do in your job. You can engineer things to bless people in this church and other families. You can engineer a solution to that guy's problem with his plumbing or his garage door opener or something in his life. You can because that's how your brain was created by God. And you got some training and you're awesome at it. Well, I don't know. I'm just really a caring person. Yeah, you probably have the gift of compassion because all you really want to do is have a great conversation and show the love of Christ. You just have a discernment about you that gives wisdom. Well, maybe the gift of discernment. You, you see a problem, someone shares it with you, and you, in your brain, God just goes, do, 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 do. You kind of break it down. You come up with a couple solutions. You go, oh, yeah, that's that verse, and that's this. And you share that. It's discernment, wisdom being displayed to show the love of Christ. Making food to bring to someone, to bring the joy of Christ, to open your home, to show the love of Christ, to design things with your hands and do things with your strength and speak and teach. You know, there are people all around this church. Hundreds, I would guess at least 100 people serving today as we're sitting here. Got people in the back that are running our soundboard. Awesome, thank you guys. I'm not gonna name everyone because then someone say, oh, well, you know, you forgot so-and-so back in the third grade, Sunday school, okay. I had to do, I had to do the, the rumps just because it's such a visual, right? But every single person is doing something that God uses to bless others in his name. You have happy donut people, happy traffic people, happy staff and volunteers that do tons of stuff. We have happy Sunday school teachers that love serving God with zeal. Your kids, in the name of the Lord. We have people that do ministries for our missionaries in our community. They go out and they serve. We have a Spanish ministry, and many people help serve there. We have life group leaders and Bible study leaders that are serving with zeal and with love. That's why they do it, because God's filled their heart with so much love. Like, they're just all over the church, everywhere. And if you just go, if you look around, like, hmm. This is a prayer team, so they're serving. We've got a bunch of deacons, a bunch of elders, a bunch of staff, and then we have non all those things. And they serve every age group and every ministry. We have a bunch of volunteers that have jumped in to help our youth ministry. We're still praying and looking for God's, you know, person to, to lead us in that staff role, our youth ministry. But we had a ton. We have a ton of volunteers that have stepped up to serve wholeheartedly our kids. And it's awesome. Because when that youth pastor comes in, he's going to have a team already set discipling and loving kids because he's not going to know anyone likely he might but he's going to need a bunch of servants around him the team is functioning and they're ready to surround him okay why did I share all that because you're gifted and you're part of this team if you call this church home God doesn't want you to be a sloth reclining we do get enough of that he wants you to step up and if you want to respond to how much he loves you by loving him back and serving him by serving others. It's actually very easy. It's very, very easy. It will cost you time, sacrifice, absolutely. It's very easy to discover where you can serve in this church. And you just start praying about it. You just start looking around. You say, well, do you need any more help here? I just love kids. Go tell Amy that. I think she'll say, hmm, let me pray about that. Yes. 
do you need any help with the youth? I heard there are a lot of people in the youth ministry. Do you need more help? Yeah, you talk to Steve Desett, and he'll probably say, hmm, let's sit down. Yes, of course. Like, well, I, I think maybe, you know, uh, I could help once a month with traffic because I love cars and I smile. Bingo! Start there. Do that. Serve somewhere in the church. Call Melissa and say, are there any tasks around the church? Talk to Ron about facilities. Is there anything I can do there? Is there? Because I love tools. I love cars. I love sweating. I love hammering. I just love being with guys that are doing anything for God. Just get me on that list. I love to ride my bike. Get me with some guys to ride my bike with in the name of the Lord. Who can we reach out to and include and pull in? Well, I love to do food and I'd love to do something in the community. Uh, I'd love to do, like, I don't know. I like to dress things up like my car. Trunk or treat. Why did we do that? Why did 30 families or whatever decorate trunks? To reach out in the name of the Lord to people in this community. We didn't just do that for ourselves. That was not the point. It was to reach others and their friends and let them see the love of Christ in action. Where are you going to be on the field in action? Disciple, yes, your family, 100%. Love your kids. Raise them in the nurture of the Lord. But that's not all you're gifted and called to do. There's going to be somewhere else. There's going to be a pocket, a fit. It's going to be a niche. You're going to know it. When God puts it on your brain, even right now, you probably know it. You just have to say, yes, Lord. Can't do it every week, maybe every other week. I can't do like weekly because my schedule is kind of weird, kind of nuts right now. But I can do projects. I can do like I'll jump in for that week and help that. I'll help with that retreat and go. I can do more limited, spontaneous. See what I mean? I'm a little bit passionate about this. Why? Because there's more joy in serving than in sitting. Way more. You may go, ah, I'm not sure about that. Love to recline. Love my shows. Love my hobbies. Love myself. I want to say, on the basis of God's word and the truth of his word, there's not even an argument on this one. It's just you have to say yes in faith and ask the Lord to give you more and more faith. There's more joy in serving always than in sitting. And the greatest part of that, I think, is we get to do it as a team. You will never be alone serving in this church. You'll always have people around you rallying, praying, helping, doing it with you. And you should always be looking for people to share in the joy you have in doing that for God. Oh, do you like to cook too? Hey, help me out. Next man's breakfast. Help me out. All right. I saw Daniel out there like loving whatever he was doing from the burgers and bags thing. And, you know, he's just like happy about it. Like I go, you don't just sing? <laughs> he goes, oh, I like to cook too. I'm like, all right. Who are you designed by God to be and where does he want you to serve? We'll help you. The pastors, the elders, the deacons, and any other ministry leader can help you understand where the Lord's calling you to serve. Pour your gifts, your skills, your talents, any mixture of that into your love for God. I heard John Piper on a message this week talk about when our love for God gets so real and so big, you know what you want to do when you actually understand and get that, how much he loves you, and that won't change depending on how much you sinned that day or whatever else. Going, just He loves you, he loves you, he forgives you, he loves you, he loves you incredibly. Oh, you're beloved. Oh, you're a son and daughter of the king. Oh, and it just gets so big. You know what you want to do? You want to serve someone else and, enjoy, and include them in that love because he's the greatest thing to you, and it's so clear. You can't wait to do something that you're supernaturally gifted to do well and include someone else in that love. You can't wait to do it. And it will be very obvious to everyone who knows you. You can't wait to go serve. You can't wait to do that thing. You just want to include other people in that love. It's very simple. 
but it takes faith. Let's just ask the Lord to help grow our faith and then our willingness to step out in that faith and see where he would bring greater joy into your life and how he'll make himself lift it up, like he will lift himself up through your life and bring all the focus and the attention to Jesus. That's what we're here to do. That's why we're given life. That's why we're still here and not in heaven yet. Let's serve him wholeheartedly. What do you say? We're going to have the worship team come on up. And this is the time to just pray and ask the Lord just to speak to you. Where is it, Lord? Who is it with? Is it, is it here? Is it here? Is it with women or men or youth or in this area? And just, just pray and just ask the Lord to speak to you. Again, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, if you want more specific on the gifts. Speaking gift or a serving gift, that's a good place to start. So let's just pray and let's just ask the Lord. Give me the heart of a servant, Lord, and then direct me. Oh, and one last thing. We're going to have an offering, too. And some people go, oh, I just, this is crazy. But, but I, boy, I make money and I'm generous. That's a gift to giving. And we all are called to do our part, sacrificially and putting God first financially. And I, it's funny, it didn't really occur to me till late in the week. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's an important thing to remind everyone of, that we're blessed to be a blessing. Are we blessing and putting God's work through this church first in our finances or is it leftovers and last? Let's put them first, church, right? That is one of the ways with Joyful hilarity. He loves a cheerful giver. So pray for that too. And we have an opportunity to worship him in that way today and always. Let's do that. Let's grow in that too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we have life. We have breath. We have possessions. We have clothes. We have relationships. We have a family. We have this church because you're a good God to us. Because you're a great shepherd. Because you know every need before I can even think of bringing it to you in prayer. And you have a plan, Lord, to send us out with all of our gifts to serve one another. That's how we love you and how we serve you, by being used as a tool to lift the needs and concerns of others in this church and in this community and in this world. But, Lord, we have a calling right here. We have people all around us that don't yet know you. We can make Jesus shine even brighter through the way we're living. Please, Lord. You do that in me and through me. Pour your heart out to him right now.